0: Convenient installation options and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Toyo Open Country AT3. But did you know they sell other automotive products, wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few? Go to TireRack.com/slash Colin TireRack.com the way tire buying should be. Turn first-round picks like Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and more. Visit PaniniAmerica.net today. This is Prime Cuts, the best of the Colin Coward podcast. One of my favorite guests ever on the show this week, NBA Hall of Famer Sonics legend Gary Payton. I'm a Seattle kid. Talks about what Ben Simmons needs to do to save his career in Philly. Good luck with that. And Gary goes right back at Michael Jordan over his comments in The Last Dance. Doug Gottlieb on why he doesn't like the idea of a 12 team college football playoff for several reasons and some insight in Aaron Rodgers. But first, my top takes of the week. You know, I was thinking about this Packers-Rogers situation, and you look at it, and one of the reasons it's so upsetting is because Green Bay never gets any drama. Green Bay has had drama exactly twice in the last 15 years. Brett Favre drama and Aaron Rodgers drama. They're two biggest stars. This is incredibly typical for every other major city in the country. Green Bay, though, is a small town. It's not a leader of industry. They historically have not been a star-driven franchise. But if you really look at Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Green Bay, the Packers have made four NFC championship games in recent memory. The Bucks are in a heated series with the Brooklyn Nets. The Brewers are tied with the Cubs for the National League Central lead. Wisconsin football's won 10 games seven times in the past decade, and the Badger men's basketball team has several deep runs in the tourney. And they've all done this with only really Giannis, Aaron Rodgers as marquee stars. The reality is, the more of them you have, the more drama you have. So actually, if there was some sort of winning superstar ratio, The state of Wisconsin probably wins more with fewer stars than any other state in the country. So that's why Rodgers and the Packers seem so intense and over the top. This is not a star-driven state. NBA free agents don't go to Milwaukee. They got to draft their way to the top. NFL free agents don't go to Green Bay. They've got to draft their way to the top. Let's be honest about the Brewers. It's overwhelmingly homegrown talent. Wisconsin Badgers never have a top 7 8 10 recruiting class nor historically do they hire high profile coaches the Sabans do not end up with the Badgers so this seems so extreme with Aaron Rodgers I live in Los Angeles this is monthly weekly stuff what Milwaukee and Wisconsin should be proud of who wins as much as this spot in the country With this few stars and this little drama, it's unheard of. I could make the argument that if you included the Wisconsin Athletic Department, the Brewers' front office, the Bucks' front office, and the Packers' front office, it may be the strongest four combined units in the country, upstairs. Listen, Aaron Rodgers, he's a little prickly. This is part of having the occasional star. You know, there are people out there. Random people, media fans saying there should be an asterisk by whoever wins the NBA championship because of all the injuries. Well, Tiger Woods, for about 11 to 12 years, was injured on the tour, some of it in his prime. Should every golfer that won a PGA event have an asterisk next to his trophy? Listen, part of drafting, part of free agency, when you draft and acquire free agents, you look at their body type. You look at their injury history. If you're Brooklyn and you acquire Kyrie Irving, he's been hurt since Duke. He was hurt in Cleveland. He missed games in Boston. Now he misses games in Brooklyn. They knew that. Brooklyn rolled the dice on a physically brittle player. Kevin Durant had been hurt multiple times. Brooklyn rolled the dice on Kevin Durant's health. The Lakers... Roll the dice on Anthony Davis's health. Anytime you draft players out of college, if you have a college quarterback that's been hurt twice, a lot of teams take him off the board. Injuries are a huge component to who NFL and NBA teams are drafting. Same with free agency. Just say it right now. If you want Joel Embiid and he goes to the market, it's not bad luck if you acquire him and he gets hurt twice. Over the course of three years, you rolled that dice. There's no secrets here. Nobody's rolling back the odometer. I spent an entire NFL draft Friday in the Chargers war room a couple years ago. And when I walked in, they had their board. This is top secret. And next to the board were black dots and red dots. And black dots meant undraftable because of character. And there were at least 25 players. Some were really high-end players I'd heard of. Next to that were red dots. Those were undraftable players due to injuries. So the Chargers, who have a pretty damn good roster, eliminated 50 to 60 players because of injuries or character. So I don't want to hear bad luck with a torn ankle, a meniscus. You look around this league right now, the only guy who's hurt, who's seemingly never hurt, is James Harden. Harden's a guy that gave you a good effort every night, did not miss game. Kyrie, Embiid, LeBron last two years, Anthony Davis, Mike Conley, Clay Thompson, that's why they're not in there. Bad luck, good luck. Don't kid yourself. These front offices go over and over the health of players they either draft or acquire. Buyer beware on previously brittle athletes. There's a cottage industry about like sports ratings, and they don't really matter. They matter for my show, or they matter for Stephen A. Smith's show, uh, because the higher ratings we get, uh, that'll help us come contract time. But what you have right now is a race for content. It doesn't matter what the ratings are. The NFL was down last year, and everybody had to pay twice as much as their previous contract because you can't live without the NFL. Hockey has no audience. And I mean no audience, no television audience in America at all. It's got no radio audience. It it doesn't really do anything on Twitter, social media. Both Canadian and American broadcast deals are five times higher than 15 years ago. People need content. It doesn't matter what it is. When I hear about NBA ratings, whether they're good or bad, Their next deal is going to be probably close to 50% higher than their previous deal. But whenever you see this stuff on the internet and these media critics, I understand their job. TV ratings really don't matter for sports, they don't. The NBA is down 35% over the last two years, but they're still getting 2.7 million, 3.3 million, 4.4 million for playoff series. And there's a lot of Mattress companies, Mountain Dew, Pepsi, travel companies, airlines, where there's no better place to put their ad and get eyeballs, especially in the NBA, 18 to 39-year-old eyeballs. What you find is the people that bring up ratings, generally, there's some sort of political agenda. I mean, I, I always laugh at people that criticize the NBA ratings and they say, well, it's the same teams winning every year. It's the same college football teams in the final five every year. You want to know who the four best college football teams are going to be next year? Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Oklahoma. Shocker. During the Kaepernick situation, the NFL ratings were down 6 or 7%, and the media just went bonkers. And my takeaway was, in, in television, they have what they call A, B, C, and D markets. D is very rural. A is cities, B are the burbs, C is outside of the burbs, and D is the country and rural. The really, Kaepernick situation really hurt the D markets, the C and D markets. It didn't hurt the A and B markets, as they call them in TV. So if anybody's going to get hurt on ratings, it's not the sports. It may be the networks because they can't charge as much for advertising, Fox, CBS, NBC. But the leagues are always going to get their money and the players are always going to get their money. Always. No exceptions. Baseball has been on a downward trajectory for 30 years. 30 years. When they're available, most of the networks bid on it. And now we've got new streaming services. Amazon is now in the game. Amazon wasn't in the game 10 years ago. Apple could get in the game. So now you have more bidders and these tech companies, I mean, what's an expense for NBC is a rounding error for Amazon. I mean, these tech companies make, they have billion trillion dollar weekends. I mean, you'll see these companies in Silicon Valley on a good week on the stock market. It's a trillion dollar week. We do not have those at network television. So enjoy the games. Don't worry about the ratings. The leagues always make their money. And the athletes always make theirs. As somebody who grew up in the Pacific Northwest as a Sonics fan and as a Pac-12 basketball fan, uh, Gary Payton goes beyond legend. Uh, A Hall of Famer, a nine-time All-Star, nine-times All-Defense, NBA champ. And his career is fascinating because he didn't go to your classic Kentucky-Kansas basketball power. He was allowed to develop. And then he went to the Sonics and again was allowed to develop, played every game, seven points a game, nine and a half points a game, 13 points a game. And Gary, it's interesting. I went today to your NBA career stats and I thought, hell, there are teams today that wouldn't be, may not have been patient with you. You were playing every game, but you started seven a game, nine a game, 13 a game. And then from that point forward for about 13 years, you were a monster. Do you sometimes think to yourself, everybody is so impatient now. There's so many coaching firings now. You may have run through four coaches that you, your career may not be as great today, although you were a great three-point shooter, that Seattle's patience with you and the ability to develop was a huge part of your success over time.
3: Oh, I and mean, that, that's, that's great. That's great. That's a great um, way to put it. Because the first two years of my career were, were awful. I didn't have the right coach, uh, uh, which was, was Casey Jones. He was used to having the Boston Celtics with the Larry Bird's, the, 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 um, the McHales, and stuff like that. He was used to players just going out there. We were young. Me and Sean Kent, we were young. We were trying to get it. We were trying to understand the game. We didn't know it. We went against Michael Jordan, Isaiah Thomas, all them type of guys who were already veterans, and we were coming in there brash young kids that didn't know it, and we didn't know how to play. So they took time, and then the athletes who were owning the team at the time did a great job with us. They asked us, "What did we need?" We needed a change, and we got a change when we got George Call, and 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 Tim Gergerich, who came from the UNLV, which is like a dad to me, and when he took me in. He took me back to summer leagues and the summer leagues when they were in Utah, when they were in L.A. at Loyola Marymount. And he made us play in our third year in a year and pros. and the third year in the pros. I remember the time he took me into a uh, um, into his um, hotel room. He had two TVs there. He had one with the Oregon State where I played when I was playing Oregon State and one when I was playing with Seattle before he got there. He made me watch both of them. It almost made me cry to see me play as a Sonic. I wanted to quit basketball. But then when I looked at my sting at Oregon State, I said, that's Gary Payton. And he said, that's all I wanted you to say, because we're going to throw this TV away. And this is how you're going to play from now <laughs> on at, at, at Seattle. And that's what I started doing. And then everything took a change. And it went, it went from there. And to develop a player is better to me than anything to get the potential out of it because they might not be ready. Because I look at it in college now, Colin, and I see a lot of players that come out of the, 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 the Dukes, the North Carolines. they're not ready. And they're not, and they and they don't last in the NBA that long. And all of a sudden, you don't give them that chance. And then all of a sudden they get lost. And then we there were guys that we was hoping that was gonna be that way, but they weren't. You can't have a lot of Zion Williams. You can't. There's not a lot of them out there. They only come once every 10 years. So we got to develop players. And I'm glad that I went through that process to get developed like that. Stayed in school for four years and then became the basketball player I did in the pros.
0: The Colin Coward Podcast, proud to be presented by FanDuel. Never played FanDuel Fantasy before? Great. FanDuel's offering users the chance to play free. No deposit required. Plus, for those folks who want to deposit, FanDuel's offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. It's sweet. Why do you plan FanDuel? Well, the FanDuel Fantasy is an easy, easy easy-to-use app. You pick a new team every game. You compete for top cash payouts. Compete against your buddies in head-to-head matchups. For new users, FanDuel's offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with their 20% deposit match. Just go to Fanduel.com slash cowherd. That's it. Fanduel.com slash cowherd for more info. Fanduel.com slash cowherd. They know we sent you there. Fanduel, just more ways to win. So you're a sports fan, right? That's why you're listening. But if you're considering getting in on the fun of sports gambling, I want to let you know about a great resource, the Action Network. The Action Network is where fans go when they're ready to bet smarter and turn a profit betting on sports. In fact, their free Action Network app, free, recently named the best app in sports betting. With the Action app, you can, one, see the latest picks and articles from the Action Network gambling experts. Two, compare odds from different sports books. And three, track every bet you make so you always know how your picks are doing. So if the game means more to you, download the free Action Network app and start betting smarter.
2: Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years.
5: and these stories are about how we got here both on and off the court and what's next listen to nba dna with hannah store on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your
0: podcasts who was an underrated point guard that i would be surprised that gave you a little trouble Awkward, different game, length, twitchy, a guy that was a little underrated that maybe didn't make the all-star teams, but was a little tougher than people Rod think. Rod Strickland.
3: Very, by far. By far. Was one was a great point guard. Before Tony Parker became that point guard who got everything in the paint, you guys go back and look at Rod Strickland numbers. He was doing that before uh, um, Tony Parker. He was getting to the paint whenever he felt like it and scoring. He was very strong. He was really crafty. And you thought about you can do things to him, but you couldn't. And you couldn't guard him like that. And I thought that they, oh, he was so underrated and didn't make an all-star team, but he was good. People are wasn't, wasn't really aware. And right here now in my office, I got Rod Strickland's jersey up because I respect him that much and got it signed, right, by uh, John Stockton. So, I, you know, so these uh, I, I just think Rod Strickland was very underrated, and a very good point guard that I really didn't like to guard.
0: By the way, was there a perennial all-star that you actually liked matching up with, your body All type?
3: Every all-star guard I wanted to match up with. Kevin Johnson, Tim Hardaway, John Stockton. I wanted to match up with every one of them because I wanted to be that number one point guard. When I'm always, they talking about, oh, you're number two, you're number three. I wanted to always be number one, and that's why I chased John Stockton down so much. And that's why I idolize him now, because he taught me a lot about being becoming the number one point guard. So I wanted everybody. Whoever was an all-star, I didn't shy away from none of them.
0: I mean, you're a classic. You come into the league. You have things to work on. You're coachable, and you become a star. Then there's the opposite of you, which is Ben Simmons, who is 6'11", comes into the league almost as a prodigy. And appears to be indifferent about improving his game. He can't shoot a free throw. Are, or, or, I mean, you didn't have. You ended up being a very good scorer. But when I think of Gary Payton, I don't think, oh, he's Steph Curry. He's a natural shooter. You worked on it. Is Ben Simmons? Is he hopeless? Can you change a shot? Did you ever play with a guy that literally first couple of years in the league you're like, dude can't hit a free throw, and became a great shooter? Is some of shooting Gary? Just natural. Some guys have a rhythm, and some guys just naturally don't.
3: Yeah, that's There it is right there, Kylie. Some of us have a rhythm, and some of us don't. I think what, what ben, ben Simmons' problem is, is that he's so good, and he does some stuff so well, and nobody stops him, he doesn't think that he has to change, or he has to shoot that shot, because he knows he can get to the basket. As you remember when he missed the free throws, and they was hacking him and stuff like that. Then he came back in game three and dominated that. You remember he had dunks, he had 20-some points, he was very confident. His confidence was here. But when it gets down to here, he starts to be that player that he listens to everything. I think basketball is all about confidence. As you said, Colin, I didn't come in the league as a great shooter. They said that was my knock on me being drafted. Can he shoot? But what I did was I started working at it with, with with Coach Gerg, and all of a sudden, when I shot it, I believed it was going in and I did it. But what I became was a scorer, not a shooter. I'm not a shooter. I'm a scorer. All I had to do was put that, that orange basketball between that orange rim and people will, be, will understand what's going on. We have to stop him from doing that. And then when they start trying to do that, I put my game out, hit a couple of shots and him threes. Now you're going to pull up on me. And then my game is going to the bucket and being quick. And that's all I had to do. But with Ben is, he has is to work on his free throw shoot. That's it. Being a point guard, I get you have to at least shoot 75% or above to make them be respectful. I think that is disrespectful to play the Shaka hack against him. And they think about it, you got to take him out the game, and he's, he's one of your stars. I think he should take that personal, and I think he should go and work on it and make punish people every time they do that. Punish them and go over to the bench and look at them when you do that
0: and say, keep following me because I'm going to keep getting more points. You know, it's funny. uh, We we have since found out that Michael Jordan was not always the greatest teammate. Uh, (laughs) Scottie Pippen's got a new book out. Um, When Michael took a shot at you, um, and it it, it was just kind of Michael's confidence. That's how he talks. You didn't fire back. Um, It didn't seem to penetrate. Um, I don't know. I'm sure people have asked you, did it piss you off? Or did you just come to terms with, that's just Michael. That's just who he is. That's how he talks. Colin, I
3: didn't care about that because I'm, I tell everybody now. And now I've been commenting on it. If the, he didn't say that, I wouldn't respect him. I wouldn't respect him at all. I wouldn't even look at him anymore because he's a competitor like me. I look forward to guarding him. You know what I'm saying? He laughed. I would have laughed the same thing. Because I don't think he could guard me, so if he would have did that, I would have been like, <laughs> "Please, you know what I'm saying." So it's a respect thing. I think Michael Jordan is great. You know what I'm saying. I love playing against him, but it's his show. He directed that. Why would he say something to make him look like a fool? So I'm good. I'm good with it. I don't care about that. We can't bring the past back. I can't bring 1996 back. I wish that we would have did things different. And I would have guarded him earlier because we would have showed it. But as we all know, they want it. It is what it is. But I would have laughed too. You know what I'm saying? Because it is what it is. I'm still laughing because I know when he was guarding me, he couldn't guard me either.
0: Yeah, it's funny. You would have worked very well in today's game. You're an, You were an excellent three-point shooter. Again, you would have been – Uh, you know, a better Donovan Mitchell and Donovan Mitchell's an all-star. You know, Michael was never, he never had the range of Kobe. Michael was not, he was, he was more Kawhi Leonard. Um, And, and by the way, Michael with that strength could not keep people in front of him. Like he did. Michael was always stronger than people thought. I'm not saying Michael wouldn't be terrific, but it is interesting that certain players are built for certain eras you are built for today. You were a three-point shooter. You were what coaches look for. You you were like Chris Paul, but a much better offensive player. When when you you really when you look at Chris Paul in his prime, do you see a little of yourself? I
3: see a lot, Colin. I, I with him and Rondo, I, I I basically praise them two right now. They're the only two point guards in the, in the NBA right now. That's true point guards. Period. Point blank. They're just true point guards. Everybody else is like twos and two guards to me, point guards. They shoot and score the basketball. Right. As you see what Chris Paul has done for the Phoenix Suns right now, you can't go and be six and two and sweep teams and sweep a great Denver team which just had the MVP on there and Chris Paul comes back and have 37, 25, 28, and whatever, and 16, 17, 18 assists. That's what he does for a basketball team. And, yes – I I probably have a better offensive game, but I think his offensive game is coming right now. It's very coming. As you get older, you get better at offensive, mind You get better because you start doing things that you say, okay, I can't really do this no more. Let me start getting that fadeaway jump shot. Let me get this jump shot. Let me pick my times when I need to do it. And Chris Paul is doing that. And as soon as I played him the first time, and Byron Scott was his coach, and I went at him, and he barked back at me. When I went over, he, and Byron Scott told me to come here. He said, come here, GP. I was like, what's up? He a dog. You ain't going to be able to get him. He, he got too much into him. <laughs> he got too much dog getting. And I said, good. And when he kept coming back at me, and I went after the game, and Byron Scott said, I told you. Didn't I tell you? I said, yeah, he going to be a good one. He going to be good. And that's when I started seeing Chris Paul, it's going to be a great basketball player when he started doing that type of situation, when he didn't back down to an all-star, had been in the league seven, eight years, to a rookie, and he did what he did. And he's doing it now as he get older. So, I, yes, I think I'm a better scorer than CP was. But he's all around. He's just like, he plays defense, he gets in a pass lane, he give you everything, sis. He does all the stuff he's supposed to do.
5: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Store on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever
0: you get your podcasts. Let's bring in Doug Gottlieb, because you're a huge college football fan. Went to Oklahoma State. You know Oklahoma very well. You know college football about as well as any guy that played basketball that I know and my takeaway was I had Chad Millman on and my takeaway was stop bitching we've all wanted this thing it's not going to be perfect college sports are dynastic they're not they're not built to be fair the best teams get the better recruiting classes and they dominate as long as you can like mark at gonzaga is going to win 30, 29 games to 33 games for the next 10 years nobody in that nobody in his conference is going to catch him now the the, the one thing about the tournament I'm I'm a big SEC fan. I think you are. But there is one thing where the SEC has gotten a bit of a break and a pass by the media is that all of us know that younger athletes, especially younger athletes, we've seen this in the NBA playoffs, can struggle in harsh road environments. And because of the weather in January, most bowl games are closer to the south. So a lot of times southern teams play in these kind of the proximity to their campus and they have larger things. Well, I do right? think,
6: LSU and the sugar Right. LSU and the sugar bowl, et cetera.
0: Yes. Right. I, I do think if you put <laughs> you took an LSU a few years ago up to Lambeau to play Wisconsin, the game was super competitive. You put Notre you put Notre Dame at home against Georgia. It goes either way. The only thing I'm worried about the whole playoff is where do you put the games? I do that's why we're in Indianapolis You know that is where a middle of that's where you know because you can't do cold weather, Doug. You can't do outdoor stadiums, so it has to be like an RCA dome. That's the only the only concern I have about the twelve team playoff is is don't make these all outdoor warm weather games. Um, Well,
6: okay, there's a I have some issues with it.
0: Um, First,
6: I'm big on the law of unintended consequences. Okay, so what are the unintended consequences? by expanding the playoffs, now and and we've already seen this with players opting out of bowl games. Now the bowl games are dead, dead. There's zero reason. And I've been a guy who said like, "Hey, if you can put another game on tape and have fun with your buddies, go do it." But I'm telling you now, now they're dead. You're playing for nothing. Um, the second part is, and this is a, it goes along the lines of when you expand the NCAA tournament to 68. If you don't get in, probably getting fired. Like there's going to be more, more coaching firings from teams with good seasons. But just this like, hey, three teams from the SEC or four teams from the SEC got in and you didn't get a sniff. Like you're gone. Um, I think, I think it's a mistake that by overexpanding, I, I think we're way overthinking this thing. Like, look, if college football, and I believe it, they want the regular season to matter. Okay, make your conference champion matter, matter. Have them all. I would rather have them all play each other in these big leagues than have it this way. But now it's like, all right, you win the SEC championship, congrats. Now you got to go out and and play a couple more games. Like, I, I what was wrong with the what was wrong with the four teams? The best team almost always won anyway, right? Like, I I don't understand why they don't. There's been some talk of doing this where you put your team kind of into the hopper if you want to qualify for the playoff. And every year they, they pull out a non-conference game like that. I would be super into, you know, and you make it equitable for all the different rights holders. Um, But college football was in need of this. You and I have discussed this a bunch offline. I know you talked about in your show, which is like, you can't keep throwing out there Alabama and Clemson and hope that the rest of the country cares about it. They just don't. They just don't. People care about their schools and about their region. And when everything is the Southeast, like you're going to kill the sport. So I do think this brings hope to the West Coast. I do think it brings hope, more hope to the Midwest. I do think it brings more hope to Texas if they can get it up and running.
0: By the way, um, this Aaron Rodgers situation, we won't talk about it too much, but you know, you, you've had your um, connections with Aaron through the years Uh, How about Mark Murphy coming out and saying, you know, he's a complicated fella, which, by the way, doesn't really mean anything except for Aaron Rodgers, (laughs) who would take it personally. So when Murphy said it over the last two days, he said, you know, Aaron's a complicated fella. I thought, Mark, a week ago, Mark, you said we probably shouldn't take it public. Aaron's probably the prickliest player in the league. Why in the f would you say that publicly about Aaron Rodgers? It was the first time for me. The pendulum swung a little toward more toward Aaron. It was like Jesus, these people in Green Bay just do not get it. They they really they're. I mean, Mark Murphy's a Harvard guy, but when I saw that comment, I thought, what are you doing? There's just certain people you have to handle differently. You just don't do that with, you don't do that with Aaron. It's just not going to work. It's going to piss him off.
6: First, let's start with the Harvard guy, thing, right? You know what they call the guy who graduates last in medical school? Doctor. Okay. Right. That's right. So there's lots of, not everybody is a magna cum laude from Harvard. That said, the crazy part is he's Aaron. not wrong. Aaron is right. really complicated. You know, as you know, and you and I have discussed, like we, I, I I consider him a friend. We haven't talked in a long time. We didn't have a falling out. There was nothing. He just, that's just kind of how his life goes. He's a complicated fellow, you know, whereas most of the rest of the world would go like, okay, so you're the starting quarterback for a team that was rebuilt and you won the MVP and you had a home game for the NFC championship game and they, They kind of tinker with some things they fix your offensive line they think they re sign your star running back what 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 are we mad what are we mad about a guy who hasn't played two years in college who's a project quarterback what what are we mad about so he's a complicated deep thinker and i look i agree with you why are you saying anything why what was the win in that comment especially after you just chastised everybody else for making public comments like what are you doing like, do you really want to piss Aaron Rodgers off, or do you want him to play quarterback? Because as it stands now, he's gotta play quarterback. He's not sitting the whole year. He's not a dope. He's trying to make a point, And it's kind of you're kind of making the point for him. Right? Cause his point is more, this is just egos run amok. Right? This is, I think what Aaron thinks is Brian Gunnikun's, and this probably is true, he thinks he found a gem in in Jordan. And If it's close, he's going to push him out because Jordan's his guy. And then when everybody wants credit, right? I want credit. Mark Murphy, is it's about ego. I have to be heard. You have to hear, I have this funny thing to say about Aaron Rodgers. I have to let you in. I have to make you understand. Like, No, man, it doesn't even matter if you told us something that we already know. And it proves to be true that Aaron Rodgers is a complicated guy. By saying anything, what is the win there? Congratulations! You proved Aaron's point that the front office is about the front office, and he believes the Packers are about everybody. And you're dividing just as much as his comments have divided. I agree with you. That's an absolute win for Aaron Rodgers when he's been winning only in social media, and the reality has been taking L's all offseason.
0: Yeah. No, it's you could have said it's a complicated situation. But once you said Aaron's a complicated fella, okay, now it's personal. Now you're calling out your star quarterback.
6: Yeah. He also, and I don't like, this is a real, real, have you ever heard somebody tell you you're really smart and it'd be almost condescending and negative. I've, I've had that like, Oh, you're just, you know, I, but I do think that they could have said like, look, Aaron's really bright. He's brilliant. He's, he's a very deep thinker. And you know, like let's not overthink this thing. He's our quarterback. We love him, and we apparently haven't made it clear enough how we feel about it. That you can say, but yes, when you say "complicated fella," right? Like if I say you and your wife have a complicated relationship, that's not a complicated, right? Right? right. How was that deal to launch the volume? Ah, it was complicated. Complicated cannot, in by my estimation, in two thousand twenty-one even if it's accurate, be translated into a positive statement. And so why are you saying that? What again, to try and win and you lost by trying to win.
0: Well, you know, there's the, you know, I grew up in the country, small town, and, and there's always this little bit of a low self-esteem in the small town. And some people resent the big city. And there, there's that saying that we all heard when we were young, you think you're better than me. That's what, that's what small town guy often says to bigger city. You think you're better. You're Hollywood. I think no? so, You've gone Hollywood. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You've gone Hollywood. And I think with Aaron, there is that sense in small town, Wisconsin, he thinks he's better than us. And that what, what that's what kids say when they're high schoolers or, you know, 12 years old, that guy thinks he's better than us. I, I do. And Aaron doesn't, help by putting Hollywood stuff all over social media. But I, I do think there is this, you know, the average marriage lasts seven or eight years. I mean, I, I think you put up with certain things if somebody's beautiful or somebody's talented, but there's that seven, eight year mark in relationships, just all of them, where you get tired of people's shit, right? And I think, I think Aaron and Green Bay was bound to be problematic. And I just think they've reached that line where they're tired of each other's shit. And it's okay, by the way. doesn't mean you don't have two great people. But, I mean, Doug, it was never a natural fit. Aaron's sort of a California cool guy. They wear cheese hats. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's like there are – I mean, like Eli in New York don't feel perfect, but it worked. For some reason, Eli in New York, the country kid, the southern kid, it worked. Farvin Green Bay to me, it worked. worked. I've never felt Aaron's Green Bay. I, I, I feel like Aaron should be the quarterback for the Rams. That wraps it up for the week. We're heading into another big week here at The Volume. Make sure to subscribe and follow us at The Volume Sports on Twitter and Instagram. The Volume.